You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. All right, this week we have on a very special guest, Ezra Koenig. Uh, you probably know him as the lead singer and guitarist of Vampire Weekend, but he also has a very deep cult-like following for the internet radio show he's done since 2015, Time Crisis, where he and co-host Jake Longstreth talk about everything from music to politics to corporate food history. So, Carla Music and I, both proud TC heads, talk to Ezra about how he makes music, how he eats, and so much more. And then, it's Alex Beggs with yet another installment of Cook, Mary, Kill. All right, here's Ezra. All right, I don't want to start this on a down note, guys, but I was at the bagel shop this morning. Mm-hmm. I think today is SantaCon. Oh, I, yeah, I guess I saw some people a little bit dressed up on the street. I didn't see a full squad of Santas, but I saw. Some... I think like the squads come out around 11 a.m. This was like at 8:40 a.m. I've blissfully not seen anyone in a Santa costume yet today. And the bros like in the ironic Christmas sweaters and stuff. Like right. they were carving up at Murray's Bagels. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Is that what these are? Murray's Bagels. These are from Murray's on yeah, on the one on Eighth oh, Avenue. Oh, these are pretty good. Yeah. yeah, they're not bad. I was shocked at like I got in there at eight, whatever, thirty nine. There was already nineteen people in line. I counted. I kind of thought like the bagel thing at some point would sort of subside in New York as right. an era of like sweet green and Asahi bowls and stuff. Really? I don't know. You don't That's think like so? That's like saying pizza is gonna fade or something. Yeah, but people don't buy like hot dogs on the street corner like they used to. No, but a bagel. You don't have to buy a bagel out of a tray of dirty water. Well, that's true. I do not. I just like I'm like. <laughs> I try to be like healthy guys ish somewhat, as you know, but like, I don't or know. Do people, you get your bagel scooped? That whole thing's just, yeah, that's, well, you know, I would know because that just seems such a, can I get that scoop? But I would do the, like, the, do you ever get the flat bagels? The flagel. The flagel? Mm, no. Are they like crackers? <laughs> no, <they're>... <laughs> <laughs> that exists too, though. Bagel, like a bagel crisp. Oh, bagel with chip. The... Those are nonsense. No, yeah. flagel is just like a very low profile bagel. I kind of like the, when they're so good, it's soft. they're. It's still soft. Yeah. On the inside, but crunchy on the outside. It's kind of like a flatbread meets a bagel. Because I think some of these New York ones have gotten so bulbous. Like, yeah. this one, these do look a little bulbous. Yeah, That's like a, a good word. Michelin Man bagels. So I'll get the flat ones sometimes and then put all the fixins on and stuff. Do you order it as a flagel or do you say, I'll take the flat bagel? I'll say, can I get a flat everything? Mm. You know. Mm. But then I like, <laughs> I've definitely come around to like, do I like to put some cucumber on. I brought some cucumber down this morning. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that that was the one well, thing that you brought. The oh, one condiment? Yeah. Well, well there's cream cheese plus <laughs> cream cheese. cucumber. Well, the cucumber, because we, we have this test kitchen on the 35th floor here, as Carla knows, and you can kind of go in the big walk-in fridge like, what's in there to bring? Oh, I see. So I see. normally I'd, I would have done avocados, but we didn't have any avocados. Oh, avocados. You ever do that? You live in California now. I, get, the tree, I don't eat bagels that often in California. Why would you? Yeah. Did you back here it's back in the day? not part of the culture. True. Like yeah, what? sure. I'm a win in Rome type person. So, for <laughs> for the first thirty years of my life, and in, in between New York and New Jersey, definitely a lot of bagels were consumed. Toasted or fresh? I think if they're good, they don't need to be toasted. I, I know that that's a, can be controversial with some people, but I think when you go somewhere when it's piping fresh out, hot out the mm-hmm. oven, and it's still soft. That's great. But I you agree. Know, I think day of. I, th- I think the classic thing growing up was on, on the weekend. 
your parents would come back with like a brown paper sack yeah. of bagels. And then as the week went on, the need they had to be toasted. <laughs> right. Like Wednesday, it's like rock hard. Of course you toast it. Right. I like the, uh, when you do toast them, then I like doing butter and cream cheese. And mm. so the butter gets all melty. And then oh, the cream cheese sort of sloshes around mm. on the melted butter. Uh-huh. Just, I'm just saying. My, I like a fresh. Emma, like- Emma just gave the thumbs up on that one. Really? I like a fresh bagel with softened butter. That like before you even have your oh, real bagel. Yeah. You have that. Like the, the bagel before the bagel. Yeah. So anyways. We just lost half our audience. Yeah. No, no. That's what they, that's what they came for. <laughs> now we're going to lose that. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to talk about rock and roll. <laughs> what did you have for dinner last night? L- last night for dinner. Uh, actually, this is a place I'd wanted to go for a while. My, just meeting up with some friends and they suggested this place in the East Village called The Izakaya. Hmm. I mean, I know what an izakaya is, but I don't know the izakaya. Yeah, so of course, you know, when you're like putting it into your right, mass app, <laughs> right, a, a billion things come <laughs> oh. up. No, the. No, yeah, the. It's on East Sixth or East Seventh or something, and it's it's a real skinny. You know, it's next to the East Village Suen. Mm. Oh. Um, whichever street that is. Yeah, it's like a cool little hip. Izakaya. Is, izakaya, <laughs> but but you know, like a slight tweak and. I appreciated that when you got there, there was kind of like a, not like not like a, a, a fancy uptight prefix thing, but just this thing that said, said like, I forget what the language they used, but it was kind of like, like, you want to be full or something? It was like two people, three people, and then just a list of stuff and a price. Perfect. And yeah, and it was a nice mix of uh, stuff like potato salad and... Grilled things. Macro and grilled things. And I appreciate that you said prefix and not prefix. It's tough with French words. In fact... How do you guys pronounce those uh, those crescent moon shaped uh, pastries that are famous in France? <laughs> it, when I'm in America, I would say yeah. croissant. I would say croissant. So you Mar- say it with the quoi? Yeah. Marlon, Marv, my son's here. Marlon, you had one this morning. How do you say it? <laughs> He's just mouth is full. <laughs> I mean, when we're joking, we say croissant. Right, but even even when you take it to the quoi place, then you're living in a funny well, middle ground. Well, of- what do you say? Well, I've never, I've never been clear about it. <laughs> oh, will you say croissant? That's why I stopped getting them. You might do croissant. I think I used to. Well, and also like I took French. Not that I speak French, but I took French. You know, that was yep. my high school language. So, yeah, I know that it's pronounced like something like croissant. But croissant. But then it's funny to just do this half. Yeah. Totally. So in some ways, I almost respect the croissant crowd yeah. more. I used to think it was not that this ever happened, but I used to think it was funny that at a. Uh, Wherever they had that Dunkin' Donuts or Burger King, where they have the croissant witch. Yes, I thought it'd be funny to pronounce that croissant witch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like a uh, croissant witch, please. But other other than the croissant witch, and I then think you, I, I, maybe I would say I, I try to just go with the flow. You should order. Croissant. You should croissant. order. You should order a croissant witch and then eat it with a knife and fork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My Jacques Torres story about the he claims to have really invented the croissant witch. What oh, do you really? Mean? Yeah, he was working French chef, right? He has and he's big pastry chocolate. chef. Pastry chef, yeah. famous for the yeah. chocolate. And was was the chef he, at Le, pastry chef at Le Cirque, where he kind of rose to fame. But before that, when he kind of first got to the U.S., he ended up in L.A. working at a hotel. So let's say it was a Beverly Hills hotel, but mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if right. it was. And he was making these croissants the way he made them in France, which are like, they're small. You know, they're not like these big hunkin' mm-hmm. <laughs> loafs of whatever. And the guy who owned the restaurant was like, these are amazing. Like, 
make them bigger. And he was like, bigger? Like, uh, this is the right size, you know, whatever, yes. like mm-hmm. 80 yeah. grams. A croissant like, is a croissant. This is croissant. Correct. He's like, bigger. Correct. Make them bigger. So he kept making them bigger. I'm like, well, what? It, like, I don't know what this is, but this is like an American thing. Like, bigger and bigger, bigger. And then he was like, it's amazing. Now put ham and cheese on it. <laughs> so I <started laughs> mm. And put ham and cheese on. He's like, these people are insane. And now you can put it in a glass case and sell it any time of day. Yeah. And, and then they were like, he was like, now it's perfect. And they started selling them poolside and sold like hotcakes. Next thing you know, you got a croissant. Next thing you know, they're at Burger King and yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. I now do like, I really don't know how to say it. I so do, I'm ha- having a hard time. I do like croissant. <laughs> so as let's say you're flying back to L.A. and you're sitting next to someone and... He, they're like, so what do you do? And you're like, oh, I got this, like, mm-hmm. play music, and I've got like, a podcast. And they're like, well, what's the podcast? Should I listen well, actually, to I it? Don't, I don't have a podcast. You have a show. You have a show. I have an internet radio show. Yeah. Okay, so, well, how would you? Are, <laughs> so I'm sitting next to you, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, what, I don't. What do you, what's the difference between a podcast and an internet radio show? Well, I just explained that our show it airs. Yes, because Apple has a a radio station that that's on any Apple phone, so. It airs, which, you know, I think has a little bit of a, a kind of old school sophistication <laughs> in that there's an airtime, but then immediately it basically becomes a podcast. Which is how I think that's, I don't, I've never listened to, when is it on live? It's on Sundays. It's not live though when it airs. Well, it's you know, just, it's, it's, a, it's a new, right. it's a new, it's new, newly it's released like you watch content. It, it's like must see TV. Yeah. When there was a new episode of right. Seinfeld on TV, <laughs> it wasn't a live performance, <laughs> but I'm saying. it was he brand new. It's live. Yeah. It's like new. It yes. just came out. Right. Whenever yeah. we recorded it, it's still, it's the first time airing. And then after that, it's behind a paywall on the Apple, you know, if you have to use Apple music. Yeah. We're a family subscription plan, so for I've never had the the this terrible feeling of not being able to access it. Right. If if you're not an Apple subscriber, you it, it would be a little bit tricky. But yes, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's very similar to a podcast. So all right. So yeah, you. So <laughs> this Ju- is all what I would be saying <laughs> well, to no, the person. And I, and I, so Julia Kramer, who's not here right now, she's our deputy uh-huh. editor, and she was always talking about time crisis, and I was like, okay, okay, whatever, and like. That to the point that she said, I canceled my Spotify subscription and only had Apple Music oh, wow. because of Time Crisis. Perfect story. So eventually, I was like, my wife, who for some reason she had Apple Music, she has Title because like when the Kanye and Beyonce albums come out, she mm-hmm. got Title, she's got Spotify, she has all these things on her phone, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know if you need all those. But then we were driving in the car some time ago, and we put on a Time Crisis, and I was instantly like, why have I not been listening to this my whole life? I mean, it is literally the best thing on the internet. I hate to be like oh, fanboy, but it's just like I'm. I was like, I well, literally can't get enough. It's definitely a cult show. I've been happy to find out. I mean, it's a it's a double edged sword, but I've been somewhat happy to find out that there are fans of the show. We colloquially known as TC heads, Correct. who are not Vampire Weekend fans. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, one time we kind of talked about it. And and we were just kind of wondering out loud, and then like a bunch of people started, uh, like tweeting at the account, which is run by a part a guy who's part of the show Seinfeld two thousand. Yeah, people started tweeting at him, and he kind of forgot that we talked about it on the show. So so people started just tweeting at him, just kind of like, listen, I don't like Vampire Weekend, but I like Time Crisis, and he was. I appreciate it. He was kind of defensive <clears throat> for me and, and wrote back just like, fuck you, nobody asked. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, we did, we did ask. 
We did ask, and and you know, when when you start an internet radio show, I, I think the hope is that uh, even if you're starting with you know fans of your music or something, that one day it will transcend that. It yeah. will have a voice of its own. You They're know? really two different things. There's a wonderful overlap. But like, I'm a Vampire Weekend fan, mm-hmm. but the feelings that I have for Time Crisis are unique to Time Crisis in a lot of ways. Well, that's great. Yeah, that, that's how it should be, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Julia turned me on to it, uh-huh. and then I, we became mutually you know, obsessed and would talk about episodes. Yeah, and if you haven't listened and out then, there, listen. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, it's you and Jake, I, well, I have a, a lot of things I love about the show. Some of it is just your sort of cultural references and illusions are just so dead on that you're like, oh my God, that is so good. One episode you guys were talking about where Jake grew up in Connecticut, maybe it was the Diet Coke episode or something, and talking about 19, oh no, maybe, I don't know, 1977 and like, oh, the Southbury Shopping Plaza opened this year. <laughs> oh, the year he was born. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The phrase shopping plaza is so 1977. There right. are no more shopping plazas. No one of the eight Marlins age, my son here, they, wouldn't, they don't even know what a plaza is. Right. But like, you know, but the notion, and then a McDonald's opened. And like back then in 1970, I remember like when the McDonald's opened in D.C. on Jennifer Street, like in 1978. And that was a huge deal. The fact that there was a McDonald's in your neighborhood. Right. It was like a thing. Yeah. No, we're, we're very interested in that kind of uh, sifting through the, the sands of pop culture and, and specifically with an eye, I guess, towards... I don't know. Music, food, mm-hmm. re- you, retail. You weave, <laughs> you you weave a tapestry of yes, but then okay, I've got lots of thoughts. But then also, and Emma always hears me talk about this: the fact that because it's on Apple Music, you guys can then actually play song. You have the rights, the ability to play music. Right. Yes. Yeah. That that's another thing that uh, that makes us different from a podcast. Uh, is that <laughs> is that we can play songs as long as we want. I, th- I think there right. is some kind of fair use, some like pathetically small fair use thing if you want to play like 10 seconds of a song anywhere. But So we can do that? I think you probably could play Emma, you hear that? We can't do that in the videos, apparently. None, oh, really? none no. amount of anything is and allowed. I, I imagine that Condé Nast lawyers are, are just like super hardcore All stressed out. So yeah. it, they'll probably, if you even remotely But even humming, like not even playing it, but humming question. a song. Yeah. Can you, let's say you sang a bar from... Harmony, Harmony Hall. That's yeah. the song. Like right now, could we do that, or do we get sued by your record company? Even though it's your song, would they be like, "No, no, no, Ezra can't do that"? Well, the if you want to get inside baseball, yeah. the record company doesn't own the publishing. So if I'd be in- essentially be creating a new recording of mm. Harmony Hall, the record company wouldn't control that. Mm. They but they control the recordings that. Who owns the publishing rights to that song? Well, I do. You do, okay. But, you know, we work with a publishing company and you do these kind of temporary deals and stuff. But, yeah, I sup- I wonder if there is some way if I sang Harmony Hall on the show, then I could go back and sue you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can you, do, like, can you do a line? Like, let's say you and, do a line right now. Right. And the, and the stone walls of Harmony Hall bear witness. I think you're allowed to quote lyrics. You can definitely quote, like, if we're talking about Goodfellas or something... I think we can like play the clip in which we're talking about it from a sort of a news reporting standpoint. Yeah. I will say generally that I do think copyright laws out of control. Yeah, people should be able to like quote stuff. But anyway, on Time Crisis because when people listen to Time Crisis and they're Apple Music subscribers, if we play a song, then Apple will just go ahead. So for instance, you can our- actually like and lo- or love the song. So if a song starts playing during the show, oh, you can like throw a heart on I'm- it. And I'm 
Yeah, and I'm like, love this song. Need to rem- remember. I can oh, see, heart I, it, and it'll save to my like library of loved songs. That's one cool thing that uh, I guess up to a point is fair, is that if we play a show on the song, it, it registers for that artist just like uh, if somebody streamed it. Right. Or like any but talk radio show where you're- shouldn't it be more if like 100,000 people hear it? I wonder if they get credit. Oh yeah, that's true. I actually don't actually don't know how it works. You know, it's a, Apple's a big tech company. They're not cracking open the books for us. <laughs> Have Did, you gotten feedback from anyone who has told you that it's great to listen to while at the gym? No, I haven't heard that in particular. Oh, well, I want would like to tell you that it's great really to listen great to, to listen to at the gym because you get a great mix of comedy, di- discourse, you music, get highs like, and lows, and then you get some musical interludes. Like you're on the treadmill. You're like, I need a little pick-me-up. Yeah. And then all of a sudden- Treadmill, oh, that's fun. some circuit training. There's like some Billy Joel it's, or something. It's yeah, one of my faves. I, I could imagine even a really great podcast if just like like in a super dry room, just yeah. a few voices, that you, you need to be in the right mood for that. You also need to be in the right mood for music. Well, like if I'm like doing my workout and it's Rachel Maddow, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm starting to feel upset. Yeah. Mm. Whereas you want to be uplifted, but also entertained. I also like the length of it. We always talk about here, and Emma always, someone gives me grief about how long the podcasts are. If a podcast is good, I'm more than happy if it's an hour and 45 minutes as opposed to 45 minutes. And so if you're at the gym, you're just getting totally ripped, I imagine, for an hour Super and 45 ripped. minutes. I mean, look at me. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. We do, we do two hours every two weeks. Right. But ours are like, I also feel like with podcast people, expect it, it to run the certain length like i have podcasts that i listen to that i know are 50 mm-hmm. and then certain like the daily that's like the length of my commute if the daily all of a sudden was like an hour and 20 i'd be like calm <laughs> calm down michael right Barbaro. that would be weird that's this not is what like they're where, supposed to yeah do. this is not i haven't allotted the right amount of time for you yeah and you're stepping into like other parts of my life i like the idea of an of a long podcast but I think people would need to be prepared. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, Hydrated and like ready. Know what they're getting into. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was at a fish show last week and with fish, you understand you're going to be on the premises for probably four hours. Right. And there's a set break. And of course, it's significantly longer than a lot of shows. But right. everybody there knows what's about to happen and is excited for it. Right. So, you know, if it turns into four and a half hours, you already you already knew. You're committed. You wore yeah. comfy shoes and you're good. Right. Speaking yeah. of like crossover and Venn diagrams, are there any fish fans who aren't also dead fans? There's definitely dead fans who aren't fish fans. Yeah. Understandably because the dead were the originators of the jam band scene mm-hmm. and even though a lot of people started following fish after Jerry died of course, there must have been some old crunchy holdouts who were like, I don't know, I don't know about this. <laughs> fish has such a, a big fan base, it wouldn't shock me. I've never met a Fish fan who doesn't like the dead. Okay. And of course, the members of Fish are, they they talk uh, in glowing terms about the, yeah. about the dead, even though their music is quite different. But I would have to, I could totally picture a, a Fish fan who's like, you know what, I, Fish came out when I was like, a teenager, I got so deep, and then everybody's like, "Oh, you got to check out the dead," and it didn't wasn't hitting the same way. And they never saw the dead live because they're too young or something. Or I guess you can kind of see whatever version Dead and Co. or whatever even today. Mm. But yeah, it would be unusual. I yeah. think it's a little bit like a TC head being like, "I don't care for Vampire Weekend." Yeah, it would be weird if you like really hated it. <laughs> I, I can totally understand being like, you know what? True. I, I like your radio show. Your music's not for me. This but is... to be like, when I listen to your music, I hate it so much. <laughs> I get upset. But when I, when, when I hear you and your friend talking about 
Dunkin' Donuts. Right. I love it. Yeah. That would that would be strange <laughs> to be that extreme, but who knows? I don't understand people. Who, this is. I mean, I get it if you're like a big Slater fan or something, but people I know who don't like Vampire. I'm like, how do you not like Vampire Week? It's a very you're a very likable band. You know, it's like you well, put on Vampire Weekend, you're not like, oh God, turn that off. You're like, oh, good song, good. Just you, 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 I don't know. You know what I mean? Is that fair to well, say? Yeah, no, but it's not hard for me to understand. I mean, because of course I've had to grapple with it my my entire adult life. Is that, <laughs> why do some people How can you not seem like to this? dislike this band so much? I mean, it was it was easy to understand when we first came out, and and I think we still have this image to some people because when we first came out, we were students at Columbia, and I personally found the idea of starting a preppy band to be so funny because I didn't consider myself preppy. and I, But I like to go to thrift stores and find old Lacoste shirts, which at the time seemed very exotic and novel to me. And even going to Columbia, I was surrounded by people who went to Andover and famous East Coast private schools. But even me, you know, I middle class, you know, came coming from Jersey. My dad's from the Bronx. My mom's from Jersey. I had student loans, you know. So there's something funny about kind of like, I thought that, that there was a bit of satire uh, immediately worked into it some people got it immediately and then other people really were just like so offended by it and and now I can look back on it and say that the fact that all these years later even though I think it has very little to do with where we're at now people still can associate Vampire Weekend with things like you know Oxford button downs and, right and uh boat shoes is actually a good thing <laughs> because it's it's this kind of pillar of American fashion that that there's no other band that people think of. So it's actually kind of a good thing. Um, so I could understand why maybe, you know, if you hear about a band coming out and you check them out and you see me wearing like a yellow dog sweater, it's like kind of, <laughs> you know, 23-year-old dude. You know, like, what's the story of these guys' medical? I, I can right. understand being like, not for me. Yeah. And then, of course, not everybody likes major key music and a significant percentage See, of our music I is do. major key. Thank you for saying major key. I never use that phrase, but I'm like, no, I like songs that I can actually hum and have like make me feel. Mm. feel well, and also, you know. yeah, not not everybody is uh, is going to use that language because, I mean, I think most people understand You're, it, but it's, you know, whatever. It's a music term, yeah. major yeah. versus minor. Never heard but, of it before. But, <laughs> but I, do, I do think a lot of people, you know, things come in out of fashion, like uh, what's been kind of cool, pr- innovative pop music for the past five plus years generally has been slower and more likely to be minor key. Hmm. People write essays about that. Well, the reason that's happening is because of the recession in 2009 made people, <laughs> and then the, you know, the, the, the way that people feel about the promise of the Obama years not paying off. And, you know, people can do that. Right. I tend to think that it's, it's more just like sometimes, you know, one thing's popular and then it's not then right. the opposite yeah. is i feel like yeah like, i feel like you mentioned that and i think of like someone like the weekend well the, the weekend's a very uh innovative important artist who i think helped usher in uh I, when it's interesting you, the terms that people used when the weekend first came out and and drake to some extent that it was like wow what is this intense weird dark music wow it's like you feel like you're a whole spend a whole night on on drugs and 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 people were even though there's always been music about sadness those are the two big things most right. music's actually about being sad deep down but some of the things that the weekend was saying and and drake some of that language and then subsequently future you know the, the, it uh, it felt like uh it felt like kind of a, a wave or a movement and, and i i find it, i like a lot of that stuff but yeah understandably sometimes when i could see when people hear ser- some of our songs that are fast major key and kind of yelpy 
that uh, uh, they that they could be put off by it. But I guess the other thing is that I believe now that we've made four albums, we've covered a lot of ground. And if you're a Vampire Weekend fan, you know that we have like any or you come to a show or something, you say like we can bust out like a ballad, we can mm-hmm. bust out kind of like a Dark Night of the Soul type song about you know faith or something, and then we can also play like our best known song, A Punk, which is like makes people go, hey, 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 mm-hmm. you know. So you know that there's all those uh, different entry points, but also, you know, once somebody has an impression, you can't expect them to, every time you put out an album, to be like, well, I'm going to listen to this whole thing and see if I can finally find my way in. Right. So I think to some extent, you know, you can't be liked by everybody. And then generally, if you build a whole career, I always think about Billy Joel, you know, coming from a tri-state area perspective. Sure. And how he he famously was uh, always getting like shit on by the critics. And infamously, Robert Christgau, very influential critic at The Village Voice, somebody who would represent a type of downtown New York cool taste, would just like lay into him all the time. And apparently Billy Joel would be like on stage reading the reviews and he was kind of irate. And you can imagine Billy's already this guy with identity issues, Jewish guy, wants to be Italian, <laughs> from lo- out, out in Long Island. And then here he is down, downtown and the, the hipsters are hating on him, you know. He's wearing his capizios. Yeah, so he probably didn't, you know. He probably didn't feel that cool, and I, and and you know I'm I, I'm a I found I found it interesting to look through Robert Christgau's reviews over the years, and you would see because they're somewhat well archived. You'd see he give he gave used to give letter grades, so you know Billy Joel's just like failing, oh wow, just getting real bad grades. <laughs> wow. And then there was something funny about when his uh his greatest hits came out, which is one of the best selling albums in American history, yeah, volumes one and two or something. I remember Christgau like when you look on his website, he's like. A minus, you know, th- this guy, he's a showman, whatever. <laughs> and you picture like Billy Joel probably like suffering all these years being like, God, you know, even Chrissy Brinkley's my wife, but these people still don't respect me. And, and you kind of think sometimes you need to just build a body of work and some, and, and only much later can people look back on it and say, yeah, I'm just, you know, there's a lot of music out there. Can't, you can't be for everybody. Right. I it's mean, very subjective. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, like I, so many things. I always say this at work, but I, in terms of writing or to have a point of view, if you're not pissing someone off, you're not doing your job because it suggests that you're not taking a stand one way or the other. You know, like there, there should be something that bothers some people and other people love. Right. I, I've I, never I, I, had this problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I tell everyone else at work that, Carla, she just, she just runs with it. Yeah. And I think about that every time you put out a new album is that at the end of the day, when when people look back at artists they really respect or who have people give them props like you had a real career generally speaking these people changed quite a bit from album Mm -hmm. to album it's impossible to do that without there being some type of upheaval when music comes out and you get every range of opinion people saying this the new music sounds the same the new music sounds too different i miss this i don't like this so and and i have to believe that if if there is some type of overarching quality that eventually you'll be stronger for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. There's always going to be like temporary upheaval when, you know, it's like hilarious to think about all these moments and not 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 to compare. We're not, we're not comparing us to him, but just when you look at rock history or something, you look at Bob Dylan, people would always talk about like, well, people freaked out when he went electric. And you're kind of like, a few people freaked out. I think he also, clearly he did fine. And then even people were like, oh, you know, people were so pissed when he went Christian. And, and now I listen, I listen back to that music and I'm like, those Christian records rule. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? Who was they were mad that Bob Dylan went? What else was he supposed to do? He already did everything else. You know? But the, I think the difference is between like someone like Bowie, who obviously had so many different moments in his career, 
and you guys, you, your band, and you as a creative person, like you've kind of come up in the age of social media. So you're not just hearing it from the critic at Rolling Stone or Village Voice. Right. You're getting this avalanche of comments on, I don't know if you're on tw- Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Yeah. And how do you yourself see, yeah. deal with right. that? Right. Billy, Billy Joel thought it was bad in the 70s. Yeah. I know. I love the idea of him reading these bad reviews, like the original, you know, celebrities meet, read mean tweets. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how have you evolved in your sort of social media sort of interfacing over well, the years? I... Do you take it in even? A lot of people don't don't engage I mean, I, as a strategy. I think over the years I've realized that uh, I don't find it hard to to stop myself from whatever the craziest thing somebody could do is what like do a deep a deep search of their own name or the name of their band or something and that that there are people who do that and you could see the most insane weird opinions you'd probably even see positive opinions that made you feel uncomfortable if you looked at every single thing (laughs) so you can't help but see certain things when i when i talk to people who claim they never read press or something that doesn't quite work for me because I would just kind of feel like if the record came out, I would know that probably 40 to 50 places around the world reviewed it or talked about it. Right. And I'm just kind of like, I'm just picturing what, like getting on the phone with my manager to talk about something and be like, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it would, I, I, that would feel kind of bizarre and dishonest. So I think there's ways to be like, I certainly don't read every single one, but at the very least, and and sometimes it is good to see what the what the haters are saying within yeah. reason. But yeah, in terms of comments, I mean, I I kind of got put off by Twitter, but not even because of comments directed at me, just because of the whole thing. Oh, it's and a then, dark place. Yeah, yeah. vitriol. And then I, you know, Instagram, you you're gonna get a mix of stuff, and uh, I don't know. This yeah. is generally more positive. I think the the comments that hurt the most, and I got off Twitter a few years ago, but Carl, I imagine you can relate to this with. Now, Carl does a gazillion videos that mm. do a gazillion views for us at Bon Appetit. It's the comments that are like 38% true. It's like, for the most part, you're like, no, that's wrong. But oh, there, there is actually something about what you said that I could see why you would say that about me and why, yes, you would find yeah, me annoying or off-putting. I off-putting. think when I st- at the beginning when we first started putting out videos, I would look because I was curious what the feedback was because mm-hmm. I wanted to – and I wanted to watch the video and kind of think about how certain things that I was – doing whether they landed or how it you know how it looked and whatever um because it's food and it's demonstration so like certain things that you're like stopping to show something like did that actually work in the moment and then I would look at the comments and then um I really had to stop because a bunch of people didn't like my voice yeah (laughs) like Mm. they thought it you know people would be like she's so nasally and like one was um I'm Italian but I would Mm. get a lot of like who is this Jewish woman and why is her why is she so so nasally (laughs) oh I was like well first of all I'm Italian but second of all why does it matter and third of all that's just like I can't that's not something I can control you know no. what I mean? Like I'm not gonna. It, ma- now... it matters to me who's Jewish and Italian. I, I like to know, but oh, I mean, not a, in a bad way. A fi- but that's what fine, I mean. Like a as a, line. it's a fine line. <laughs> like I feel like I had to put my foot down to be like I'm Italian, but like as if being Jewish is a bad thing. It's yeah. not. I'm like happy to be Jewish, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the thing that I was like, this is now I'm gonna be self conscious about my voice. Like, talk about the last thing you can like do anything about. Right. So then I, I then I, I stopped. I, well, you I can probably bit, modulate it, it, your voice a lot more than I could. A little bit, <laughs> but I also kind of feel like if somebody, 
I don't know. Maybe because I'm not just a singer and and I'm probably care more about songwriting. I really do mm-hmm. my best as a singer and I've tried to get better over the years. But if somebody's just like, "Man, I hate this guy's voice." It's that <laughs> that actually doesn't hurt my feelings. Maybe because I I feel like, "All right, then then we're at an impasse." Yeah, man. exactly. You know? But also That's a, I like it doesn't it didn't hurt my feelings. It was just like the uselessness of reading a comment if that's going to be yeah. the substance of it is like there's nothing there's no gain. There's nothing for me to get out I of read this. Two thoughts. Like one is as Emma knows, like commenters would always get infuriated with me for talking over people on the podcast. So I was like, "Okay, that's actually good to know." Right. I'm going to try I'm going to try to talk over people less. But like the anger and vitriol with which they comment is just like, hey, Adam, you might want to stop talking to me. It's like, what the, f- you know, why do you all, it's like, okay. Right. But then also the voice thing is interesting. Like your voice is annoying. I mean, imagine how many people said that about Bob Dylan back in the 60s. And right. now he's Bob Dylan. Or, and yeah, also, and today. Probably. And also yeah. like, what? What are you going to say to somebody? No, his voice is not annoying. <laughs> it's, it's like, of course, right. different people are going to like different voices. And, and part of what makes him cool is that his voice is unusual. Right. I think that's also the thing is, is, is to realize that, like you said, if you do something that remotely has character or vibe, it needs to alienate some people. It's not just like, oh, well, may- maybe this time I finally figured out the thing that everybody in the world is going to like. If it didn't alienate some people, it, it would be so bland right and yeah and it's like that's the weird uh faustian bargain of trying to put something out into the world (laughs) is that the vast majority of things that are put into the world you know people always talk about like on spotify or something the you know it's like three percent of the music accounts for 99 percent of the streams which you know is probably also like a corporate media monoculture stuff but also a little bit of just like there's a lot of random stuff that people put up that nobody was asking for Mm -hmm. and i'm sure the same thing's true on youtube for every video with a billion views there's probably a billion videos with two views that that you know yeah or like all of the things my 10 year old watches which i'm like why what is this and why does it exist and why are you watching it and he's like it's great yeah well yeah i mean but if it has an audience then then maybe there's a reason for it to exist but i so i guess what i'm saying is that there is a way to have your person and your work never critiqued by strangers on the internet, and that is to make sure it it lives so low, or like <laughs> or that it it never <laughs> pokes its head up above, you know. And it's essentially to be ignored. Right. So it, I guess I, I always have to remind myself of that that it, th- people can cross the line with with comments or invading your privacy. Nobody deserves that. But you you did. You know, you stepped into the town square and said, hey, check this shit out. Right. And if a couple people say, fuck you, that sucks. <laughs> that's actually a fair trade off. Yeah, sure. And, you know, but it's easy to forget that because we're all human with the emotions. But it's it's fair. Yeah. You, you got on stage at the Apollo. Maybe the Sandman <laughs> is going to bring you off. Right. And maybe you'll come back next week and you'll have, you know, you learn something. That's right. Before we get to lightning round, because our podcast, Emma just reminded me, is not two hours. Um, <laughs> all right. So now you. Yeah. You. Spent a lot of years on the road. On the road. Mm-hmm. What's the um, Bob Seger song? Is it Bob Seger? Oh, yeah. That Metallica covered? Uh, turn the page. Yeah, turn the Here page, I yeah. am on the road again. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Great song. We don't have to pay for that, Emma. You've got a kid now. Mm-hmm. Are you more conscious of sort of living, eating more healthy while on the road? Like, do you have like a routine, like with room service or breakfast in the morning? Or are you just getting pizza at late night, late at night after the I'm, show? I'm still trying to figure it out because. The, the schedule of being on tour is so strange 
it's certainly very different than you know being at home or, or certain you know being at home with a child when you're on tour and especially because you're always like jet lagged and stuff so mm-hmm. for instance you d- toured europe a month ago you get there you're all like turned around you can't sleep well you want to sleep all day basically and because of the nature of our job you probably should right there's yeah. no reason why when you need to have your peak i need to hit my peak of physical performance and fitness <laughs> at generally i think lately it's been like 8 30 p.m right 8 30 or 9 <clears throat> so in what universe would it make sense for me to set my alarm for seven or eight or even <laughs> 10 or even noon <laughs> so i try to just sleep as long as i possibly can and then you know i wake up and and you know usually i try not to eat early you know just one of those things where like i heard somebody say once like oh yeah don't eat breakfast and i was like all right I won't eat breakfast. (laughs) The one problem that I do have, though, is I try to eat healthy during the day, and I'm thoughtful about that. But then after the show, you always have a a sense of accomplishment and relief just because you made it through the show. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I don't know if it's a feeling that was uh, driven into me by playing in the saxophone in the school band in middle school, and you you perform one concert like a year, and like wow, we did it. Let's go get ice cream. (laughs) Actually, where, where I grew up, we always went to. Holston's, which is where the final scene of The Sopranos was. Oh. So that was our go-to spot. Cool. Um, and, you know, you go get ice cream or something. So I think that feeling, which is actually not a... Which is inappropriate when you play a show every single night. It is a little bit of get off stage like, wow, thank God, we did it. And then be like, what we got backstage? Well, pizza? Yeah. All it's right. a treat. <laughs> we got wings? <laughs> Down. And then you kind of wake up again and you're like, oh, this is not the, you know, the, the final show Oh wait, we have 20, my- 26 more shows go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah, that, that's what's been on my mind lately is that uh how to not make every after show a kind of like eat whatever. But I imagine you're adrenalized, it's midnight. Yeah, and it's just such a bizarre schedule. You just have to change what the reward is or your definition of reward. If like right now Smoothie. wings, yeah. wings or pizza is like the reward, how do you recalibrate well, to like right. ooh Fresh grapefruit. Yes, yes. And, and and then of course because because you're whatever. in these different towns and stuff. Right. The there's always something kind of exciting, even though I know deep down that I'll probably I'll never go more than two or three years without being in Philadelphia or that part of Pennsylvania. I was just there, and I still just couldn't stop myself from eating so many cheesesteaks right. <laughs> while I was there. But then you're always on to the next place that has right. its own thing. Like then we were in Portland. You know, Portland, I'm sure if Portland, I, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. So I'm sure if in Portland, Oregon, I wanted to eat something that uh, I would have found to be healthier, that probably my body was craving a little more like some, I don't know. Coffee. Rainbow and- chart. I, whatever, <laughs> things that have vitamins. <laughs> I, we were just, I was just, dri- I was in town and I just happened to drive past a place that was a wings place called Fire on the Mountain. Mm. And wow. it's named after a dead song. I mean, and, and I'm a Grateful Dead fan. And I was just kind of like. Let's, we got to get like how could I not go in there? After. And then I just yeah. remember afterwards eating, and, and I was just kind of like, eating, and they're really good wings, but I was just kind of like, my body wasn't looking for this. It was <laughs> right. I don't know. So yeah, it's not easy. I'm Wait, sure. do you have a policy of drinking or not drinking before or during a show? I generally don't drink on tour mm-hmm. at all. Um, almost never. Wow. It's uh, a good strategy. We were just talking about that's this. That's pretty healthy. We were. We were? Yeah, because I was. I was saying I'm when trying not to drink Monday through Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then l- last night was Friday, and I had red wine, and like it, you feel it. 
Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. It's like I. But with sleeping, I, I was drinking dr- is not. I was so drinking good. last night. You know, back in New York, link up with the old, the old squad <laughs> at the Izakaya. We're at the Izakaya. So we're a, wearing a lacoste. We're having these things called the uh, oolong highballs. It, mm. It's soju and oolong yeah. is the mix, and we just like threw back like three or four of those, and then we went out. I drank a lot, and I just didn't get that drunk. So it's it is a funny thing where I I can drink, I think, but it's. <laughs> But you don't never, drink on tour. And I've never been a bit, I've never just been that into it. I, I'm a real like take it or leave it type person. So anyway, on tour though, specifically, because in the early days, there was a few notable times where I lost my voice, which is so terrifying. And you talk to any singer, they probably have had a story about a time they lost their voice. And it's just traumatic. And obviously, yeah. it's not only, you know, not being able to do your job, right. which everybody could relate to the the stress of that. But then there's also this, it, it's a it's like a psychological horror experience because it's also <laughs> and even anybody's ever lost their voice just knows that like suddenly these this thing that you take for granted yeah when you know it's if, if you ever lost your voice and you, somebody came into the room and you just turn around, <laughs> and then you, it, it's crazy it's like a it's like a, a brother's grim fairy tale so put all the stress of work the stress of expectation thousands of people driving to see it's a it's a really bad feeling so Anything I can do. And I've gotten so much better. We used to only play for like 70 minutes, speaking of time length. And, mm. you know, now we can play anywhere from two to three hours because I really feel like, you know, we got a lot of songs. We want to give the people their money's worth. So I've got a warm-up routine and, and everything that helps me. And just drinking, it just throws that extra mm-hmm. rent, just makes it that much more likely that I'll wake up in the morning feeling croaky. Mm-hmm. Like even right now, my voice is a little more hoarse from drinking oolong and soju all night so i find that's always my little special treat is often the the last night of the tour wherever we were like the last time we ended a tour we were in lisbon uh-huh went out to a bar had a few drinks and i was like nice this yeah. is like, treat myself spicy margarita yeah <laughs> all right we are uh we're gonna go Burn into the down. um lightning round segment either or mm-hmm. questions you gotta answer imagine you're familiar with okay this, this, inv- this setup and um, it's like forever what's forever the the either or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't understand. Okay, <laughs> so you get a choice between two things and you got to pick one and like that's it for life. Forever. Yeah, forever. forever. All right, ready? Legally binding. Yeah. Yes. All right, for instance, so let's start with Cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese. For Doritos or just for flavor profiles? <laughs> yeah, it's go a with, good point. Yeah. There is ranch. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that comeback, but yeah. Um, no, there's not ranch. There's Cool Ranch is only Doritos. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's TM. Right. Oh, that's, that's really tough because they're obviously, they, they work together as a kind of yin and yang as part yeah. of the Frito-Lay portfolio of snacks. But at, at, at the end of the day, the uh, the the classic to me is more uh, nacho cheese. You, I would always start with that. Yeah. Allie or Jack? Oh, from... Uh, the Aceba. No, not oh, Jackson. From not Stars Jack- Born. No, Jackson. Yeah, yeah Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, uh, Sorry. Kramer wrote that one. Yeah. Right. So, um, Allie yeah. or Jackson? Jackson, Maine. Well, Jackson, Maine uh, is, is dead. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he killed himself. So, I. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert, people, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm trying to think, dude. Is it better to honor the dead or right. show respect to the living? Stick with the stick with the future. I think you know. You know, Ali has the gift of continuing to be alive, and, <laughs> and clearly, she's doing big things with her her career. And I, I actually keep seeing stuff about her. She's she's out there. So I'm going to honor the dead. R.I.P. Jackson. Wow. I, I actually the the quote I quoted most this past year was when he just goes, "Man, you just got to have something to say." That's right, and it's true. Like, like we said, with an article or whatever, like, what the f are you saying? Like, yep. say something. 
That's right. You know? So I, I'm going to go with Jackson on that one. Not that anyone was <laughs> asking me. Iced coffee or cold brew? Iced coffee. And we did do a time crisis where yeah, I went and on I, and on. And I miss it, but I, I, don't, I, never, I don't understand. I never got any straight answers about this. <laughs> I, I've been asking coffee people. I understand, like, intellectually that you could brew something cold or brew it hot and then make it cold. Right. I get that. <laughs> but I I would always talk to people and I'd be like, sour brew. Uh, sour <laughs> brew, exactly. Cold, cold brew tastes sour to me. And it's like, there's scientifically speaking there's no reason why that should be the case it that, you know coffee can be sour right but it must just be the beans and i was like i don't know man every time i go somewhere and they have cold brew it tastes worse to me than iced coffee to the point that in la for instance if i have the choice between and i'm sure i'm missing out on some good stuff but if i have a choice of going to the kind of a, a hip you know like high-end coffee shop that has cold brew or just go and get a tall boy of iced coffee at um, Coffee Bean with a weird crushed ice. Ooh, the crushed ice. I go to Coffee Bean. Right. I, and it, and it's not. And I like strong coffee. Right. Like when it comes to like hot coffee, I want it strong as possible. So I don't understand what's going on. I think we need to figure it out. <laughs> I, I would like to think at Bon Appetit you would have the resources. Yeah, to, we can invest a little bit of time into this to figure it out. Yeah, for me, it's iced coffee all the way, and, and it really bothers me that now you can sometimes go to places and well, ask just, for iced coffee, and they say, well, we got cold brew. It's not synonymous. I mean, that is, like, the truth of it. They're not right. the same thing. It's, yeah, cold <laughs> brew, it, it's, it's borderline nasty to me, but again, I know people would be like, well, what, you just haven't had the right one. Right. You haven't had the right strain. <laughs> um, <laughs> Malibu or down the shore? It's down the shore. I mean, Jersey Shore. Doesn't it always? Well, I guess are there other places where people say going down the shore? I don't think so. I think like yeah, that's a Jersey. Right. Thing. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. yeah. When when you grew up. So you're asking him to choose a a geographic lifestyle. Well, yeah. You're either gonna hang out down the shore the rest of your life, or you're gonna hang out like at Soho House in Malibu the rest of your life. In the boo. Oh, of course, I'm gonna go down the shore. Yeah, I've like memorable experiences of uh, growing up being in places like Wildwood, uh, New Jersey. Yeah, in Malibu, it, it, it's very beautiful. But if anybody's ever spent any time there, the uh, the city planning is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, half of it shouldn't have ever been built. True. Shout out to Mike Davis, City of Courts, L.A. historian. But also, the the fact that it's just dangerous. You you yeah. basically have a busy highway bisecting where uh, one place, you know, uh, half of the the mountains and the places where people park and then the beach, it's 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 like absurd. Nature's then, having its way with that part yeah. of the world, too, and, uh, though. And, and you're Jer- like, Jersey's a mess, but, you know, still. Well, you're not le- going to, like, fall into the ocean. Yeah, and also Malibu, I mean, Sa- Santa Monica does, but Malibu doesn't have a boardwalk. <laughs> where, where am I, bu- I want to buy a funny T-shirt. <laughs> I want to shoot, shoot a BB gun at a, at a metal clown. Saltwater you know? taffy. I want saltwater taffy and fudge. Not getting a lot of fudge. fudge down the shore. I feel like fudge is one of those things that that just got stuck in the seventies and never made it to the twenty first century. I love fudge. It's hard to make. Oh really? It's a confection. Yeah. I'm always trying to yeah. think of what's the 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 like millennial disruption that hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's fudge. It's a, in a in a little in a little like tasteful box, and we mail right. you one one a week. Right. Fudge. Artisanal fudge. All right. It's all lowercase fudge. There's a period at the end. Just fudge. You paid twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> a month. Yes. You don't have to go down the shore for fudge anymore. Nope. Fudge, fudge I also grace. love it as a as a curse. You know. Oh fudge. Oh fudge. Oh fudge. Yeah. Let's bring that one. back. <laughs> All right. I hate to put you on the spot. Bob or Jerry? Bob Weir, or Jerry Garcia. Yeah. Well, this comes back to the same um, question, <laughs> oh, yeah. which 
I guess this seems to be a big preoccupation of, of Bon Appetit, which is, do we honor the living or the dead? And um, well, let, let me let me let me amend that question. Uh, yeah, let me the, let me you, you can from now on when you listen to the dead, whether listening to a Jerry song or a Bob song. Well. Okay. Weren't but, they more collaborative than that? I mean, I'm not a big deadhead they were at kind all. Of, of course, they're collaborative on stage as, as a pair of guitarists, but they, as far as songwriting goes, they, they each kind of had their own little team Got it. to some extent. So oh. Jerry, Jerry would write with so Rob, Robert Hunter, okay. who actually died this year, amazing lyricist. And Bob wrote with him a little bit, and then he kind of uh, right. linked, linked up with his own dude. So more of my favorite dead songs are Jerry songs. Okay. But I think, you know, you couldn't ask for a, a better steward of the legacy than um, Bob. But, yeah, if, if I had to pick my top five dead songs, they're going to be prob- all Jerry songs. So. Great. So once and again, al- And also, honoring. again, Bob has the gift of being alive. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't need your support. On the Bon Appetit <laughs> podcast, we honor the dead. Got it. Right, I, mi- I miss this episode of TC, but popcorn or raisins or popcorn and raisins? Well, that's kind of an ongoing story arc. It's very... <laughs> um, with, I, I actually, I brought examples. I know maybe, you don't like popcorn. On the way in, I was like, oh, I, I yeah. I, I was like, I'm going to make popcorn. It's so perfect. And then, and then the raisins, and I love popcorn. Yeah. So the time that you said that you didn't care for popcorn, I was aghast. Like, just... Just you, disappointed. I you, no, I, I think you, popcorn's okay. Maybe but you're I, like you said, like you can't can imagine it eating it. exactly, no, which well, I, I don't have that. But I, I, I really don't like raisins that much. Right. And then well, someone that, brought up bringing them together. And then on the way in, I was like, oh, this is this is like I love popcorn so much. I'm gonna like bring in some popcorn. Yeah. And but you also like, make your own popcorn. I make. I popped the popcorn. It up and everything. Fully yeah. popped the popcorn in the comfort like, of my like own home. Like in a pan. Yeah, like a like a round sided lidded pot. Yeah. But then on the way in, I was like, "This is really very rude." Like the the this this person has said he doesn't quite care for this food, and now right. I'm li- literally bringing you a thing that you don't really like and being like, "Yeah, no, well, I here haven't it tried is. it." And and just to, the the whole context is that this guy on our show, one of our co-hosts, Seinfeld two thousand, he proposed because we often try to. I, obviously, I'm even doing it here with Fudge. I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm a Musician second. I'm a businessman first and foremost. <laughs> I love coming up with get rich quick schemes right. and then never doing them. Yeah. And so we were always trying to think of something that w- could be, you know, the next great snack food. Yeah. And, and at some point he proposed a prepackaged popcorn and raisins <laughs> combo, which the rest of us thought was so disgusting. <laughs> and it's kind of been this ongoing thing where we still think it's disgusting, but there is that businessman side of me that say, hey, I don't need to like it, <laughs> but if I can make money off of this, right. sign me up. So. I, I'm right on the fence about it, but I do think fundamentally the texture of popcorn and raisins together just sounds so it's disgusting. It's not going to work. I, I'm confident in that. The crunchiness and the and the the things that are going on with the popcorn and the chewy stickiness of the raisin. But then you know, then even that, I was you're going to go for it. Okay. Well, this is just the plain salted. Adam. ASMR. Okay, so I just had flavor wise, like sweet and salty works. And also, we just tried it with golden raisins, which which is helpful. (laughs) Golden are much more aesthetically pleasing than the dark. Definitely with the popcorn, you get that golden. It's not disgusting. Okay. I think with the 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 darker raisins Mm. and the popcorn. I don't think so. Oh, (laughs) flavor wise, it's fine. 
Yeah. But it's a little like gorp, like nuts with raisins. Yeah. M&M's or M&M's But M&M's popcorn. with popcorn is way better. Yeah, I'm just one of those people. I, I'm always happy when there's not raisins in something. I really but, appreciate you trying it. That was also tough, you know, growing up in, in New Jersey where... This is oh, like, do, they, do they have do they have Entman's everywhere? This is, I yeah. feel like I asked. Entman's, yeah. They have Entman's everywhere. Do they have Stella Doro everywhere? Yeah, well, on yeah. the east, I don't know. On the east coast, for sure. When with, with, with Entman's, they they had some sort of like coffee ring or you know some garbage like that, and I was just so disappointed that there were raisins in it. I had spent so much time as a kid picking the raisins out. And yeah, the Danish with the raisins is just like terrible. Mom, I have why a girl- did you get the raisins? Yeah, I have a girlfriend who always refers to them as. Surprise raisins. She's mm. like raisin. I can deal with, but a raisin where I'm not expecting it is like absolutely abhorrent. Yeah. So like an oatmeal raisin, an oatmeal cookie. There's a good right. chance there might be a raisin in there, and you're prepared for that. But if somebody drops <laughs> raisin into your popcorn, it's gonna be like jarring. Yeah. Imagine you're at, you're at the movies. Right. Just get a large popcorn. <laughs> what? The just hell? munching about halfway through. There's a raisin in it. That would be. People would run screaming from the theater. Yeah. Right, two more. Uh, both living. Two more. Uh, Bruce or Billy Joel? Well, I do have sympathy for Billy Joel because I think as far as the, the, the tri-state heavyweights go, he's always been disfavorably compared to Bruce as somehow being less serious or something. And then also the fact that Billy Joel clearly identifies with being Italian, but Bruce actually is Italian, <laughs> which not everybody knows because he doesn't have an Italian last name, but no. you know, Bruce is... That's not a German last name. He well, he said Springsteen is originally Dutch, okay. but he said that's from the Irish side of his family, and they don't even remember, you know, who's the old man Springsteen. Then the other side of his family, the Italian side, which is a very classic East Coast combo, Irish Italian. Uh, the last name was Zerilli. That once mm. we talked about that on Time Crisis, mm-hmm. like given um, some of the anti-Italian uh, sentiment in the country, what would happen if he was Bruce Zerilli? Right. You know, yeah. I, I I would be supporting him, but. Right. You know, <laughs> he would have been like Bruce Z. Maybe it would have been Bruce Z. Yeah. So anyway, I do. I do have sympathy for Billy Joel, but and and I'm a fan, but I am from New Jersey, and um, it's got to be Bruce. Yeah. You know, Bruce. Uh. Bruce. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay. Last Bruce, Bruce Z. <laughs> last question, as as we always ask, butter or olive oil? Oh, you know, actually, I'm sure I would have said olive oil when I was younger, but. Now I've come full circle. It's it's a uh, it's butter. Back to butter. Yeah, because when especially when you go to a restaurant and they put out some nice bread, I dip it in olive oil. I'm I hate it actually. For a long time, I was kind of like this. This felt like chic or right, something. Right, we're grown up now. Put a little bit. Yeah. But now actually going to uh like we 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 were at some random steakhouse in Midtown a couple nights ago, and they brought out like hot rolls. Mm. And there's butter. Yeah. And then the funny thing is, even at like a nice Italian restaurant where you would think, oh, this, they have this great bread. I'm going to dip it in the olive oil. I'd rather put it on like some really nice butter. Yeah. What about you guys? I love butter so much. I've I, been thinking about butter and bread. I wrote a I wrote a newsletter about bread and butter recently. Yeah. I mean, I, I use olive oil much more in my day to day, but I enjoy butter. Oh, yeah. More. And I'm sure if I knew actually knew yeah. something about cooking, which which I intend to. <laughs> Sure. I intend to, as you know, once I get as off the time road, goes on. I'm, I'm a little too old to not really know about cooking, but I'm sure that probably opens up all these other dimensions. Because, yeah, I'm sure a lot of food I love is made with olive oil, not butter. But as far as just sitting down with a piece of bread, yeah, I, I'm so disappointed when they don't have butter. <laughs> Ezra Kanik, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Carla. My pleasure. 
I'm Alex Beggs, and this is Cook, Mary Kill. Cook. This week's new basically recipe is a greens gratin that I want to eat right now. It's four bunches of kale or chard, two cups of heavy cream, and don't even think about swapping for oat milk, cheddar cheese, a crispy panko breadcrumb topping. Only a Grinch or a lactose intolerant Grinch couldn't love that. Basically shows videos for every recipe step, and I love how you can see the cook using a quarter sheet pan as a lid for the cast iron skillet when they wilt the greens. Clever! A quarter sheet pan is a great Christmas gift, by the way. I got one for my brother who, don't worry, doesn't listen to podcasts. Find the recipe called Greens Gratin with all the cheese on eatbasically.com. Mary, I want to walk down the aisle with a nice cold frothy can of La Colombe's Peppermint Mocha Draft Latte. I had a can of this bougie stuff while I put mismatched ornaments on my Christmas tree this weekend and I felt the holiday spirit coursing through my veins. So maybe it was two and a half cups of caffeine and 13 grams of sugar. It tasted like a Thin Mint York Peppermint Patty milkshake without being too painfully minty in the mouth. You know what I mean. Did it taste even better because it was free from a box sent to our office? Maybe, definitely, track them down if you can. Kill. I want to kill the words new year, new you. I can't handle that pressure. The old me took 31 years to build. What's so wrong with old me? Besides the dandruff. Also, if I needed so much work, why didn't anyone tell me in, like, July? I have other things going on this month. I don't have time for a total personal reinvention. Also, according to one survey, four out of five people don't accomplish their New Year's resolutions anyways. We promise ourselves too much. As if some New Year's fairies go to bippity-boppity-boo us into skinnier jeans on January 2nd. It takes 66 days to build a habit, supposedly. So ease into it, people. I propose instead, New Year, new used bike. Consider alternative transportation in 2020. That's the only thing I could think of that starts with a used sound, but it's still a nice idea. Cars are clogging our streets and ozones. Kill the unrealistic, aspirational, overburdened new you and start 2020 being happy with a you you've spent all that time turning into. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman, with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Namine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.